Well, hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Today's episode is a special treat. We have the legend that is Eric Bandholz with us. Uh, Eric, uh, welcome to the show today. I hope I haven't just butchered your name uh, the first thing I did. Uh, well, I think you just called me Eric, right? Did you call me? Eric, yeah. Did you get my last name? Yeah, Eric, you got yeah, that. It's a common name. Bandholz. No, I tried, but... Bandholz, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. I butcher that? How is it? No, nah, no, nah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's not a very common last name, so uh, <laughs> I, I don't take any offense of, of people misspelling it or, or spelling it wrong. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the rise of Beard Brand, a uh, you know a real success story in the world of uh, online marketing, e-commerce brands, and there's uh, honestly so much we could talk about because uh, I knew how much of a, an established and successful brand uh, Beard Brand was, but then uh, you know researching some more and realizing how much you guys are killing it in the world of organic uh, marketing was a real eye-opener and so I'd love to dive into some of that um, but before we do give us a little bit of the elevator pitch how did you get started in e-commerce uh, for the two people that are listening that don't know what Beard Brand is uh, give us the kind of the, the backstory on that yeah so the Beard Brand is a men's grooming company we uh, started after I used to be a financial advisor and uh, there's a, a pressure to, to look and dress a certain way, which I get it and I understand, but that, that way was not me. Uh, so I ended up quitting at uh, the financial, financial advising firm, started my own graphic design business, started growing my beard out. And in that journey of growing my beard out, I uh, realized, you know, there's uh, uh, not really like a, a lot of support for guys who didn't fit the traditional stereotype of a bearded guy you know like back in 2011 12 you're either grizzly adams or duck dynasty or zz top and those are cool dudes like i got no beef with them but you know these hands were made for keyboards they weren't made for you know axes and, and guitars and um you know i i started to realize there's other guys out there like me yeah. and beard brand was a, started as a way to help these guys have the confidence to you know, grow their beard, but more than that, you know, just kind of rock their own style and be themselves, be true to themselves mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, grow. Uh, so as we've grown, we've uh, bootstrapped the business from, uh, you know, like a $30 Shopify plan uh, up to a seven figure business and uh, enjoyed the journey along the way uh, and trying to build a business that we're not going to sell or exit, maybe something that I might be able to pass mm -hmm. on to my kids uh, if I'm lucky. So uh that's kind of it in the 30 seconds i guess uh I don't know. yeah no it's awesome i love it because you've obviously solved a pain point for yourself in the business and some of the best businesses are you know are built by doing just that aren't they so um no that's really i love the backstory um well, and obviously we'll dive into a lot of the story of beard brand for the content of the episode so um there's lots more we can pull out from that before we dive into that we like to ask our guests um their favorite five it's a little bit of a slot we do just to open up uh help our audience learn about some new things but also give us an insight into how you operate um so i'd love to ask you those uh, number one what is your favorite e-commerce brand other than your own of course yeah um you know one of the brands that I, I think does really cool stuff is a coffee brand called onyx uh, they just have a really beautiful website great product um they're using some in my opinion like cutting edge fonts i, I tend to be more of a design heavy guy yeah. and uh, i just think the and then the experience i get when i buy from their 
their store is just like beautiful unboxing, beautiful packaging. Yeah. And it's just the whole, the whole package from, you know, introduction. Yeah, nice. So how do you, how do you take your coffee? Experience. Uh, I like an espresso, but if I have to travel, I'll throw a little bit of water in yeah. there and uh, do an Americano. I had, I had you down for a black coffee man for sure. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but as you get older, uh, it might be a little bit harder to keep the pounds off. And one of the easy ways to uh, stay lean is to cut out cream and sugar from your coffee. So that was a goal of mine about a decade ago. Yeah. And the goal you have to do is learn how to, to love the taste of black coffee. And then once you go down that rabbit hole, you can find out how amazing coffee can taste. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely not like the, the stuff you get at a gas mm. station. Definitely. Um, when you invest a little bit of time and energy into it. Good. It's not just e-commerce tips. We're rolling out some life tips too. <laughs> okay, number two, uh, favorite software or tool that helps you run your business or life? Well, I feel like I uh, I want to be doing uh, justice to ShipStation, which uh, if you're here in the States, they, they run a commercial. We did a little case study with them. Uh, so that, that's been plugged a lot. But, you know, like for me... Uh, you know, the everyday tools like Slack and, you know, even just like Apple Mail, you yeah. know, is, is, is kind of basic, yeah, yeah. but I'm not much of a guy that goes down the, the software rabbit hole. I know everyone's using Notion nowadays or Airtable and crap like yeah, that, yeah. but good stuff. I'm a bit of a more old school guy. Yeah, that's cool. No, I like it. It's a good answer. Um, okay. Number three, your favorite organic marketing channel. You've got a lot. Yeah, it is a no brainer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, YouTube. YouTube drives half of our business. Yeah. So, uh, and I've been on that platform for a long time. Uh, and it certainly got its headaches. But yeah. Yeah, YouTube's great. Yeah, we'd, um, I've got so many follow-up questions that I'm resisting asking because we'll get into those in a minute. But um, uh, favorite paid marketing channel? <coughs> well, we're only doing uh, one paid marketing channel right now, which is you know Google and I guess Pmax, which also mm -hmm. runs YouTube as well. So... I, uh, I guess that would be my favorite. I don't really like paid. No, no. Uh, so, uh, no, I guess, you know, let me take that back. Uh, I want to go with uh, Postpilot and doing okay. our direct yeah, yeah. mail. Uh, I think that's a pretty cool solution out there right now. Yeah, nice, nice. And your favorite business book? Um, I, it's an old book. Uh, I read it a while ago, but it's called Eat People by Andy Kessler uh, with the basic idea of... Uh, you know, outsourcing the talent that you're not good at and focusing on the things that yeah. you're best at. Yeah, nice. Good, good recommendation. Okay, thank you for those. Um, like I say, so much that I want to dive into. I feel like uh, I wish we had sort of five hours, but we're going to try and fit it into sort of the next 20 minutes and pull as much goodness as we can um, out of this. You, you talked about how you bootstrapped Beard Brand from a $30 Shopify pint um, all the way up to, to seven figures. Um, you know, how did you get your start with products? Did you just, uh, were you doing some kind of like drop shipping? Was it a small amount of orders? Um, you know, talk us through that first phase of uh, taking the plunge in investing some money into this um crazy idea of starting a business yeah you know beard brand existed for about a year before we started selling products so i had the blog and the youtube channel and a very small following probably like 300 subscribers on youtube and um several thousand visitors to the blog and i had uh, because i was creating content i had been approached by someone who was selling beard care products and um Basically, I just off, I asked him if we could resell his product as a kind of a traditional retail 
uh, structure, and uh, he was game for that. So he uh, sold me some products and put it up on the store nice. and started selling with uh, another brand. So we were just like a traditional retail play. We always, to a certain degree, I always had a, a vision that we would have our own products. Sure. But the beauty of Shopify and, and the world is like you can dip your toes in the water, you know, find someone on Etsy who has a cool product. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, like bring your value through what, what we did, which was organic content. Yeah. And then you're able to generate revenue that way. So that's kind of how we were able to, to bootstrap by not, you know, having to pay $30,000 for inventory yeah, to yeah. get up and running and months of R&D. And then that first phase of growth, you know, uh, as you say, it's, it's been a bootstrapping journey. Um, what did cash flow look like? Did you grow quickly? Was there ever a point where you thought about having to bring on investment? How was that sort of early journey? No, I mean, I think the the way we value things at Beardbrand uh, and the way we want to build the business, like there is always opportunity to bring in money, but we didn't want the strings that come along with that, whether it be third parties kind of dictating the way you grow or how you grow or how you focus or what kind of products you carry or just the stress that comes along yeah. with, uh, you know, debt yeah. uh, leverage and, and making those bills and, you know, having to put your company uh, – your products on sale to generate cash flow mm. and things like that. So, you know, if if we didn't have cash flows coming in, uh, it was pretty much as simple as like we don't pay ourselves, and then when we have money coming in, we pay ourselves. So, uh, the the business could always scale back down. Uh, well, not right now, uh, but you know, the way we've built the business is it could always scale down to zero. Mm. You know, and and uh, still continue to exist and thrive. Not that yeah. that I want to do that. So, uh, we've done a lot of two steps forward, one step back as we grow, yeah. uh, maybe we, we grow too fast or misallocate some of our resources and we need to get back to the things we do well. Yeah, uh, Have there been any clear sort of inflection points with that commitment to bootstrapping where you're, you know, at loggerheads maybe there's tension points where you're like, oh, we really need some extra cash flow, but we're, you know, dead set against it and you've had to, because of that, you know, make some hard decisions? No, I mean, I, I feel like maybe I'm an anomaly and, and maybe it's because of my, my finance back uh, back in or maybe it's just because of my like incredibly risk adverse cash flow management. Like I've never needed money. Mm. Like I've always had enough money. Uh, and that's kind of true with like my personal life. Mm. Um, and I think maybe part of that has to do with like not having, uh, I guess uh, when it comes to eating, it's what do they say, like your, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Um, but but in building the business, you kind of have the same thing where your um, <laughs> your eyes are bigger than your wallet, mm-hmm. um, and you know we've just kind of maintained a, a modest expectation for for growth and allocation of our cash and resources, and and then I keep a lot of cash uh, available in the event that we have uh, periods of of hardship. So it's not a growth at all cost type mm-hmm. of company where. Um, you know, like we have to be hitting certain kind of growth targets. It's more yeah. of a profitability first type mm-hmm. of business. Do you feel like you don't have that um, same maybe drive to make it growth at all costs? Like, is that a personality thing? Is that, you know, you, you've managed to keep your ego in check? Because it can become like quite an uh, ego-driven world, right? You grow in a business, but you seem pretty down to a pretty chilled. Is that a personality thing? Have you had to learn that the hard way? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, you know, in your intro, you kind of hype me up and I'm like, man, I am, I am not all those things that you uh, described at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, that's for sure. Um, 
you know, for me, uh, there is ego that that I'm constantly battling, and and as a face of of the the company and the founder of the company, you know, you're you're not that without a little bit of ego. Um, and there is a competitive spirit and nature to me where I just want to win. And I have, you know, odd kind of comparisons for other entrepreneurs who, you know, I, I, I love and respect, mm. but I still want to beat them. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, you know, kind of what we learned, I had a, a, a very challenging time with my business partner and we were eating a lot of ramen, trying to grow at all costs. And it was very stressful. Our relationship was uh, very strained uh business relationship and and it was not fun working the business you know like i was probably losing hair and um you know what we kind of realized at the time the business was doing about three million dollars of revenue and if you're hitting 20 percent profitability that's six hundred thousand dollars and you split that three ways you know you keep half of it in the business which is uh 300k for the business to grow and then 300k among three founders you know that's a pretty good life that you can have where you know, you're able to uh, put food on your table and a roof over your head and then have the freedom to do what you want in life. So if you're a solo founder and you, you get to a million dollars or a million and a half dollars, like you've essentially made it in life. Mm -hmm. And then everything beyond that, in my opinion, is just nicer cars, nicer houses, mm -hmm. um, nicer clothes. Uh, but it, it's not fundamentally going to improve your life. Yeah. So that was kind of a... I want to say the breaking point it was uh what's that point that turning point or whatever for us is just like we won like we won life's lottery mm -hmm. with a three million dollar business and it's more important to enjoy the journey from here than to continue to be stressed out you know trying to do something that really isn't going to enhance our lives yeah. that much yeah i think it's really refreshing you know from the outside looking in at least to see that that there is that drive there is that little bit of healthy ego which i think you're right every you know entrepreneur needs a little bit of that but there's still just a real sense of you know realism and uh, i can almost get that relaxed sense from you which is um yeah like refreshing for me and i think a lot of entrepreneurs that just feel like you've got to hustle till you die and you've got to beat everyone grow as quick as possible so um yeah no it's, it's good i mean do you think that a, a part of that is because of your strength in organic marketing because that must help your margins in comparison to your competitors that are putting a lot into paid you know, uh, I, I don't know anybody else's P&L and what it looks like. There's a lot of different ways to build a business. The challenges with uh, organic is we've got a pretty heavy creative team, mm -hmm. which takes a lot of resources as well. So um, there's just different ways to build a business. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that, you know, our competitors probably have similar bottom lines that we have. Okay. Uh, maybe they grow similar to us or even better than us. So I, I, I don't know if what our strategy is, is the best or not. I, I you know, frankly, I, I really don't care at the end of the mm -hmm. day. Uh, they, they can run the business however they want to run it. And then we just kind of do it uh, the way that, that we want to mm -hmm. do it. And uh, there's a, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is there's just so many different ways of doing it. I think uh, you, you kind of talked earlier about, you know, growing at all costs. There certainly are businesses where you have to capture a market share or else there's a real potential that your business is, is not going to, thrive mm. um or you lose that opportunity you know maybe with like search engines but we also have the belief that you know the, the cream always rises to the top so if you have a well-run business with a great product give it a long enough period of time uh you will be able to to find success and, and grow and continue to grow 
uh, in your marketplace. Yeah. What do you think are some of the the big differences between if you had have gone with a model that was a lot more uh, reliant on paid traffic? You talked about the cost of a, of a creative team, um, which would suggest that maybe, like you said, that this money that you would spend on ads, you're just spending on creating the content anyway. So what was it about content? You said it was your your choice, your chosen kind of uh, route, favored route. What was it particularly about organic content that made you go go that direction? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look back to our early days, um, I, I was not um, significantly successful. It's not like I, I came from a previous exit where I had millions of dollars in the bank. I think, you know, like my family had, you know, $20,000 between my wife and I saved up, you know, from working in the, the you know, working after college for 10 years. So, um you know, we were able to live off of those savings and uh, make it work. But when you don't have enough capital or cash, you do the things that are not cash intensive, but time intensive. So, you know, for us, that was where we leaned on the the organic because I I can create as many videos as I need to create uh, because it doesn't really take any money. I mean, I can just hold my phone up in front of me and record a video and put it on YouTube. And, uh, I think uh, one of it's funny. Every single business has to deal with scarce resources, and sometimes those scarce resources are money. Uh, usually, most of the cases, but sometimes those resources are time or like creative energy or you know vision. And how do you, you know, acquire those resources or allocate the things you're doing with that scarcity? Is uh, what makes a difference between a successful business and and one that maybe is. Just floundering. Yeah. But what about when you did have more money coming in, though? Because you said that you can, um, you know, if you don't have loads of money, use time. And I completely, you know, uh, Mm. agree with that. But then what about when more money is coming in? Was there never the temptation to pour a bunch of that finance into ads that could grow your reach, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I got money coming in, I just blow it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the reality. Like, I, I just spend it poorly on things that that we have to end up like undoing months down the road. So, uh, <laughs> You're so honest. <laughs> that's, that's why I says, yeah, yeah. It's like two steps. Again, it's two steps forward, one step back. So, you know, we may have money coming in and then we're like, okay, we're going to grow ads and then we'll do paid ads. We've certainly done paid ads in the past. And then we're spending all this money on paid ads, mm-hmm. but it turns out we're not making any money. So we're, we're, we're spending a dollar to, to make, uh, you know, a dollar 20, but when you factor your product costs in there mm-hmm. and overheads and you're, you're losing money. Yeah. Um, so there'll be things like that, or I'll be like, well, let's do this product and let's do this product. And, you know, we grow our inventory and our inventory just balloons and we got a ton of stuff here and, and we don't have like the, the right resources to, to launch it or the right focus to launch yeah. it. Or we'll be like, yeah, let's sell in Europe and we'll sell in Australia. You know, it's just like all these things that, you know, actually being lean for me is, is very beneficial because it allows us to focus yeah. on the things that... Uh, bring most value to our customers. Do you just sell in US at the moment? Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, you can buy online um, and get it shipped to like Canada and, you know, like Australia and a couple of places, but it's it's not um, really economically fe- feasible because the shipping is so expensive. Yeah. And, uh, but we don't ship into Europe. Uh, that's a, a market that we have closed off to. And is it, is it going to stay like that? It, it must be tempting, surely, to expand globally. 
No, I mean, yeah, one of our goals uh, this year is to, to launch into Europe. So, you know, we have a tendency to like evolve our products based on the feedback from our customers mm -hmm. to constantly improve them. And when you do that, you're changing the formulation. Um, and then every time you change your formulation in Europe, you know, you're going to have to run through the regulatory organizations. Uh, so that's like a, an additional, you know, $3,000 per SKU. So if you got, you know, like 20 SKUs or whatever, uh, what is that? Like $60,000. Mm -hmm. So kind of for our style of uh, products uh, strategy where we, you know, we evolve and tweak and improve our product, it, it gets pretty cost prohibitive. So if we can ever dial down the uh, formulation to where we know going to stick with yeah, it yeah. and you know like some people are going to like it some people are not going to like it which i think is uh you know the shame of, of regulations that people don't really understand and they don't really see in the marketplace you think it's like oh great you know these regulations are protecting people and it's true but it's also preventing innovation and and it's kind of the unseen things that that never happen because of these regulatory burdens uh on companies uh is kind of a the downside yeah, yeah. So and Europe is uh, renowned for being, uh, you know, with data protection, GDPR, all that kind of stuff, VAT. It is, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it can be a bit of a nightmare. But. Yeah, so it's just like, ah, screw you <laughs> Europeans and all your it's nanny true. state kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll just be free here in America, yeah. you know, no, absolutely. doing freedom things. <laughs> yeah. um, let's bring it back to organic marketing then, because I think that is obviously something we really want to uh, dig into a bit more. Love to just look at, some of the core channels, uh, organic marketing channels, just before we wrap up, um, starting with TikTok, because it's kind of, uh, you know, all ever before AI, at least it was all everyone was talking about. Now, ChatGPT has taken up some, uh, some airwaves. But, um, but let's talk about TikTok, you guys are you, across your channels, you're getting pretty massive, like YouTube, I think 2 million, TikTok 600,000 or something, you know, big subscriber base, SEO, uh, you know, you're getting I want to say, you know, the research I've done over a million visits a month just from um, organic, but you know, you can confirm or deny that if you want. But let's let's talk about a few of those those channels, TikTok to start with. Like I say, you know, over half a million followers on there. Some some massive videos. Obviously, your product really does lend itself to video content, tutorials, more of uh, like a you know fun content. But um, what are you doing that is really causing that growth to take place? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you there is this this great strategy with TikTok, but it was it was basically everyone tells me I got to be on TikTok, and uh, as you know, the the forty year old dude, <laughs> I'm like, ah, <laughs> like I don't get it. It's too, you know, like these are too fast for me. I don't get it. I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. So we worked with an agency. Uh, Ryan McGinn uh, has an agency where he just essentially scrapes our data on YouTube and re-edits it. Or uh, TikTok and the TikTok style, and then re-uploads it, and he's he's the person that's entirely responsible for for growing that channel. Um, I do think there's opportunity for us to improve it and to create kind of like short form video yeah. uh, content first, mm -hmm. and have it a little more polished and a little more, you know, like on point. Mm. But uh, we're just kind of not there yet, and it's like. You know, one of the, the, the advantages that we had in the early days of, of YouTube was we were one of the first players in the, the game producing content like we were producing. And then uh, we, we got a lot of um, 
people who are inspired by our content started doing it as well. And I think the same is kind of true with TikTok, even though we weren't super early to TikTok. Um, there weren't a lot of people who were producing the type of content we were producing mm. on TikTok. So that early mover advantage to organic allowed us to, to get um, a following. But, you know, TikTok, I don't think subscribers really matter, yeah. if I'm being frank. Like, it, it's just such a weird um, algorithm uh, that rewards content, mm. like, very oddly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, like, I would just try to... to to focus more on like what is the engagement you're getting in your content on a regular yeah. basis. Um, do you know what kind of subscribers? Sorry, um, do you, do you know what kind of uh, you know revenue or, or results in any way is is driving for you TikTok? Yeah, I would say like nothing. <laughs> like I would not uh, recommend going on to TikTok if you're selling beard care products. Um, <laughs> I know there's plenty of people who have had success on TikTok, but yeah, I mean I. I I would uh, I would say we're probably not even breaking even with the, the amount we spend to edit up those videos okay. and what it's driving. Based on our attribution, we, we, we do a post-purchase survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did they first hear about us? And, you know, like, it, it's driving like nothing. Really? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Yeah. So I, I would not I would not be uh, tooting the TikTok yeah. horn based on my data. Yeah. YouTube, on the other hand, man, that drives half our business. Okay, yeah, I was going to say let's let's move on then. <laughs> YouTube, uh, yeah, because again, massive, like two million subscribers, um, and I think I, I was watching some of your your content. It's it's funny, it's engaging, it kind of um, it plays into that vlog kind of style as well. Because I think a lot of the brand owners that will be listening to this will be thinking, well, how do I create videos every week or twice a week about my products? You know, there's only so much I can create, but you guys are, um, you know, from my uh, you know view at least, are creating content that is, is not always about the product. It's about the people that use the product. Um, talk to us about your whole strategy. What have you done to really grow it to this? Because it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in uh, brand values mm. and, and mission. And I, I think those are going to be your guiding lights. Uh, our, our core values are uh, freedom, hunger, and trust. And our tagline, if you can see it over my shoulder, is keep on growing. And, you know, when you have uh, a mission uh, or like a, a tagline like that, it helps give you focus. So like our goal is uh, keep on growing. How do we help our audience and our customers keep on growing. Mm. And, and for us, that's more than just using the products, but it's like investing in themselves. And, and uh, you know, it, it kind of like prevent, uh, pre- uh, presents itself in like very unique solution. Uh, always have the saying is, uh, you know, a lot of uh, email marketers or entrepreneurs or people early in the space will worry about like, how do I send out, you know, an email a week or, you know, and, and not like, annoy my customers. I think there's there's a lot of people who think that way, or at least I know I thought that way. It's like, I don't wanna overburden my audience. And you need to change your mindset to say like, how can I send out as many pieces of content as possible? You know, how can I send out an email a day? How can I produce a video a day? And the way you do that is producing content that really brings value to your audience. So when you think about uh, it, is sending an email out every single day, like, hey, get a 20% off, 20% off, 20% off. You know, like, that. that's not bringing value to your, your reader's life. But if you're like, hey, here's how you can, you know, look better 
use this grooming technique, uh, you know, or here's why this product should be used this amount. You know, like you, you focus on your education, yeah. you're bringing value for your education. Or like on our barbershop channel, the big channel, uh, we, we really focus on entertainment and, you know, like the, the satisfaction of seeing a transformation for, for people and, and how that enhances their life to, to almost like inspire them to do the same for them. So, you know, you can, you can educate, you can entertain, um, or you can promote. And uh, I think there is a place for promotions, but, you know, probably only about, you know, 10 to 20% of your content should be self-promotion. Yeah. Yeah, you you talked about repurposing um, from YouTube to TikTok, and then you talked about you know their different types of content, email, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, one a day. Uh, are you doing more repurposing beyond YouTube to TikTok? Is there a system for that, or is it you being very sort of focused to each channel? No, so uh, the, the the company who we work with who does our TikTok shorts are they called shorts? Does our TikToks? We'll also re-upload them as Instagram Reels mm -hmm. and YouTube Shorts. Mm -hmm. So it's um, the exact same content for three different platforms. Yeah. So we're not platform specific with our short form video. Um, but we do have some like uh, IGTV yep. edits mm -hmm. that I guess would go up on Instagram. So that would be specific for Instagram. And then Facebook. I, I don't know if we're uploading our long form to Facebook or not or how that's going do you, that's kind of like a forgotten part i was gonna it. say yeah facebook instagram are they still a priority for you or are they a bit of an afterthought at the moment i mean for me personally they're an afterthought but we we certainly produce content for it on a regular basis so they're you know we we kind of set up the machine or i should say the machine at beard brand has been set up where content flows into that yeah. so you know as an entrepreneur it's like once a machine um <laughs> gets set up you're like the eye of sauron and it's like what is the next thing mm. and then it's like god forbid you know any of my team members is like oh you're working on this now yeah. and then you just you kind of jump around i don't know if the other entrepreneurs can relate to that but. <laughs> i'm sure they can i'm sure they can you, you mentioned team there what does team look like to to make all of this happen i assume you're not uh, recording all the youtube videos yourself yeah, so I've got a, a couple of other content creators, Greg and, and Carlos, who will produce regularly. Um, I've got a, a person who works in the barbershop. We have a barbershop right over there with seven barbers. So it's it's a Beard Brand barbershop. Nice. And uh, so one of my team members, he is uh, kind of like the liaison with the barbershop. He's a really cool guy and has a good rapport with the barbers, which I think is important to producing good content. And then he'll film that content as well. And then we work with a third party video editor and, and Ryan, who I talked about as well for uh, our short form video content. And then I've got an art director, a copywriter uh, for more of our traditional, uh, you know, like uh, direct mail needs yeah. or email needs uh, or website needs. Yeah, nice. And then um, a video uh, website manager as well. So we're a pretty small team, uh, all told yeah. uh, for what we're able to produce. Yeah. I meant to ask earlier about the fulfillment on the, on the back end of things. Are you, do you have sort of warehousing You're using like a 3PL? What does that look like? Yeah, we work with the 3PL for our, our fulfillment. There's, there's certain things that kind of going back to the, the book recommendation, eat people is like, I don't want to be in the business of, of putting things in a box mm. and, and shipping it out. I don't know how much value I can bring to the world doing that. Yeah. I think there's companies out there who, uh, probably going to bring more value than I could bring. So, yeah. Okay. Um, 
I also, you know, don't want to be, you know, putting things in jars or, or manufacturing. So really focusing on the things that we do well, which is communications and marketing, product development. I do like to develop. Uh, so we work really heavily on that. And then we try to outsource everything. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, lastly on organic marketing, then SEO, um, you know, the forgotten child sometimes of internet marketing. Um, it's got this like own little corner of, of the internet marketing world, but it's such a powerful channel and you guys are killing it on that. Um, you know, Hrefs tells me, uh, estimates it about 800,000 visits a month, so it must be at least a million. Um, but um, it's huge, right? And that must be a massive uh, way that you're capturing your your audience, new customers. How, how have you built it? Yeah, I mean, um, kind of going back to earlier in the conversation, the blog was, was where we started. Mm. So uh, we get a significant amount of traffic to our blog and, and the content we produce, uh, our copywriter in-house is uh, very much on brand, which is nice. I, I think that's kind of uh, um, an area that people... I almost feel like uh, they feel like copywriting is commoditized uh, where it's like you can, you know, anyone who can write can write, but I think that's the furthest thing from the truth. So if you ever actually dig down and, and read our articles or read our emails, uh, they're quite remarkable. Um, again, I'm biased because I think the world of, of my copywriter, my team, mm. um, but uh, yeah, so we, we, we try to produce content that is engaging and thorough and uh, in depth. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we try to generate links by um, being a good steward and, and being open, being transparent, being willing to, to vouch for other brands and tell stories. You know, mm -hmm. we've uh, talked highly about Clavio and Shopify. And then, you know, it's funny when you, you say good things about these companies, then they tend to say good things about you, too. Mm -hmm. So that's a great way to, to generate links. Um, you know, being on podcasts, too, mm -hmm. uh, like this. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully you put it up on your Absolutely. website throw a link to beard brand mm -hmm. and you know like things like that that we've been doing for 10 i mean 11 years now so uh, it can't just i mean it just kind of builds up on itself mm -hmm. um we also look at pr as a link building opportunity yeah. more so than a um, sales opportunity so yeah our page rank on rfs is like i think it's like 73 or something yeah. like that 72 solid. in on so uh, it's been a lot of hard work yeah. yeah certainly been a lot of hard work yeah i can i can see that for sure and but the thing i love about seo specifically is just the compounding nature of it which i think obviously you, know, you talked about 11 12 years ago you started and, and now you're seeing those those real results there and, and that's going to continue to compound and you could likely do no more work on it for a year two years and that would continue to grow still because of the previous work you put in and that's that's why i love it as a channel as opposed to you know, social media, for instance, you post something. If it's not seen in 24 hours, it might never be seen again, you know, so. Um. There's a, I, I would say, I want to call it a problem, but I would say it's more of an opportunity for people who, who think differently than the majority of entrepreneurs are thinking about how do they build their business up and then sell it in three to five mm -hmm. years. When you have a three to five year time frame, you're not going to be willing to invest in things like SEO or organic content because the, the same amount of work and effort right now to create a blog article and get viewed by, you know, hundreds of thousands of people is different than, you know, 10 years ago when we did it and it would be read by, you know, 100 people. Mm -hmm. So same resources go into it now versus 10 years ago, but the output is completely different. The same is true with the organic uh, video content mm -hmm. production as well. So most people aren't thinking in terms of 
10 years or 20 years because they're going to be washing their hands of the business and moving on. Whereas, you know, I'm thinking about it from how do I create a business that my kids could run mm -hmm. or my business partner's kids could run. And then when you start thinking in those terms, it's like, you know, how do you really do the things that can lead to a, a brand that, that lasts for generations? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, growth doesn't become the top priority. What comes the top priority is, you know, just an incredible experience and, and a, a journey that's worth taking, uh, which I think is a really unique way of building a business that not enough people share yeah. uh, or, or highlight. Yeah, I think it's not as uh, popular or um, sexy to talk about a business you want to run forever. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, I enjoy showing up to work every day and uh, I haven't gotten divorced with my wife and my kids, <laughs> you know, know my names. It's like, okay, well... Isn't that a given? Like, yeah, it's a given, but do you know how hard it is to maintain a relationship with your, your wife and your business partners and, and your kids and, and to also have a business that's successful? It's incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if the general public uh, really knows how long it is. And you see a lot of entrepreneurs who end up getting divorced or who have uh, estranged relationships with their children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are sacrifices you got to make. And, you know, not saying one one way is right or wrong, but the, those are the trade offs that you have to make. Yeah, and and finishing up on that topic because I know again it's something that you're passionate about, the whole uh, buzzword of work life balance. Uh, firstly, I'd I'd love to know what a normal week looks like for you. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, even beyond like relationships, uh, you know, your your health and your fitness is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, eating right, exercising. So I'm a I'm an avid rower. I lift weights. You're uh, a beast. I lift on weights the, four times a week on the deadlifts, man. I, I follow you on Twitter and I see the uh, you, you're crushing it there, man. Those weights are going up and up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's the thing is if you do it, that's what's going to happen. Assuming you don't get injured, so you just and the same is true with business. You know, you put in the work, you put in the energy, the effort, and it will eventually go up. You're going to have your setbacks. Um, so lifting lifting weights four times a week, rowing a couple times a week. Um, you know, like getting my daughter to school, take my daughter to school. Then I've got a, we have a nine o'clock standing meeting, like five, 10 minutes. And then, uh, I, I tend to keep my schedule. I'm one of those guys that keep my schedule generally open. Uh, I like flexibility. Uh, I like being able to run late on meetings. I like to have long lunches. Uh, I like to be able to, to chat around the water cooler. So I'm not a kind of a type A personality. And then, um, I have a goal to be home. I, uh, 5 15 uh, in the afternoon eat dinner with my family and you know <laughs> try to be a, a good uh, house husband and a, a good uh, a husband to my wife and a good dad to my, my my kids and have the energy to to play with them if possible it's challenging mm -hmm. I'd love to say I'm a perfect father but I'm I'm far there's a lot of opportunity for growth and uh in some roles uh, or all of my roles i guess in, mm. in life but uh yeah and then try to head home go to bed by you know like nine o'clock and start the day again at uh 5 45 yeah yeah nice and take weekends off uh yeah i don't i don't really work i, I mean 11 years in uh, you know most of this stuff is is pretty established so uh, if I need to work, I'll work. Like we post videos on Saturday, so I'll keep an eye on the performance mm. for how the videos are doing on Saturday. Yeah. But uh, you know, for me, like uh, as an entrepreneur, like w I don't think work ever really escapes your brain. Like it's just mm. always there. It's kind of over, always present. 
is that not the because that for me that's why i'm driven to build stuff that i can one day sell is because of that constant i don't want to say pressure but it's always on you you never escape it is that not something that makes you one day want to sell i mean uh, i was talking about this uh, with somebody else yesterday i think the the most energetic time of my life the most riveting the most euphoric time was when beard brand was starting and growing and getting those first sales from people who didn't know the who the heck i was and seeing the month over month growth um that was 24 7 you know if i was awake i was thinking about beard brand um and i really enjoyed that mm. that time um especially if if you can build the team that take over the problems that take away energy sure. and then you can focus on the problems that energize you yeah because uh, there's you know that's that's simply what entrepreneurship is is just facing a series of problems that never end and as long as you're energized to solve those problems you're going to be able to do it forever so uh, i have i have a lot of black days or dark days where i'm working on problems that i just don't want to solve and and someone else should be solving them and those are the hardest times mm -hmm. you know if it's like an operational thing or manufacturing thing like i'm not built to handle those kind of problems mm. um but as you grow you're able to to kind of bring on team members who can tackle those and then your brain just gets a i mean literally you get to think about the things that you love to think about mm. and i can't think of a better gift for anybody yeah great great thoughts great advice um this has been obviously a, a sort of a quite broad conversation. There's lots that we could dive into if we had time, but um, I've already sort of run over a little bit with you. So uh, we will uh, wrap it up. But if there's one thing that you could say to um, young or aspiring um, entrepreneurs just at the start of their journey, looking back on the last 10 years, what's the advice you would give them, you know, to maybe to your younger self that's just starting out in business? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the there's there's a lot of advice that I would give because there's a, a lot of mistakes that I made kind of depending on where you are at the phase. If you haven't started a business yet, I think the, the number one thing that you can do is put yourself around other entrepreneurs. Uh, find out where they're hanging out. Find out the way they think uh, because to, to transition from a person who works uh, for somebody else to a person who creates your own business is a mindset change that has to happen. And once that change happens, you see the world completely different and you think about things in a completely different way. Uh, and that usually is not going to happen by hanging out with a whole bunch of people who, you know, work for the man. Um, so that would be my number one advice is just do everything you can to, to put yourself around entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and then from there, uh, the other mistake that a lot of people make is they just overthink it. They try to learn too much. They listen to too many podcasts. They try to follow too many blueprints they buy too many ebooks the, the reality is you just got to go out there and, and do it and sell it and then be willing to to make mistakes and fail and then uh, to have the humility and your ego checked enough to to be able to learn from those lessons mm. and then grow from there make adjustments uh reevaluate uh learn grow and, and do it again and never stop yeah uh, because entrepreneurship is just you never stop the problems never end they never end so if you don't like problems don't get into entrepreneurship <laughs> absolutely no, it's really good man it's really good someone said to me recently that um a quote imperfect action is better than perfect inaction and i think that's you know um echoed in what, what you're saying get get started get moving steer the car on yeah. the uh, it, journey 
it's it's not new stuff guys <laughs> it's not rocket science like a million people say it. there's a reason we say it yeah. over and over again it's just you just got to do yeah. it uh, the world is built by those who build uh is something that i like to repeat a lot yeah it's not built by the best it's not built by the most prepared it's not built by the smartest it's built by those who build really so unless you're building um it doesn't really it doesn't really matter really good really good eric this has been super helpful and i, and I know you're humble and you say all the things i said at the start of the episode aren't true but they are true and and double it again i've really enjoyed this conversation you're an absolute legend and a, a beast in the e-commerce space so i really appreciate you taking time out and, and doing this with us where can people find out more about yourself about beard brand yeah, go ahead. If, if you're in America, go ahead, buy something from Beard Brand and you can kind of see what the experience is like and what the email flows are like. And, uh, you know, you can use any of the products. doesn't matter if you have a beard or no beard or if you're a dude or do that. Uh, the products will be good for you. And then uh, follow me on Twitter. That's uh, my preferred platform. But be wary. I tend to go on kind of libertarian rants from time to time. So if you're not a, a free market capitalist kind of person, uh, you may be unfollowing me shortly thereafter. No, no, I can confirm you are definitely a great follow on Twitter. So amazing. Uh, guys, thanks for coming uh, along, listening to this episode. It's been a great one, as I'm sure you will agree. Check out Beard Brand, buy some products, gift it to your friends throughout the year, and, uh, and we'll see you in the next episode real soon.